the man have the special. Good to see each of you tonight. I hope you're already leaning on the everlasting arms tonight. Uh, go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Got off to a good start in our new study in, uh, in revival. We talked about it. And this kind of will go hand in hand with that. And uh, so let's begin reading in Matthew chapter 4. The first 11 verses cover... The temptation of Jesus. But then it gets to changing. Verse 12. Let's pick it up there. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which was upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulun and Nephthalim that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtalim, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. This is a, a little bit of a ways into the ministry of Jesus. The very matter of fact, the first year of Jesus' ministry is only recorded in the Gospel of John. That is where uh, John is not in prison yet. Uh, matter of fact, uh, here, as verse 12 says, John the Baptist was already cast into prison. So he's passed a year into his ministry. Matthew just skips right on because some of the things that John, the Gospel of John, deals with, it's like, of course, his very first recorded miracle, turning the water to wine and some of the other things 
whenever before John the Baptist got arrested, was all pointing to Jesus as being the Son of God. Matthew, on the other hand, was trying to, of course, present him as the king of the Jews. But we have here Matthew kind of setting things up. And I want to speak on this subject tonight. And that is following Jesus, has it cost you anything? Following Jesus, has it cost you anything? Now, I didn't say saved because we know when you got saved, it didn't cost you anything. Because it cost Jesus everything. He paid the price. So going to heaven is a free ticket on your end. On your end. It's a free ticket. Coming to know Jesus is and as asking Him to save you is beyond measure an act of grace. Amen. And you could even call it amazing grace. But I didn't ask you about getting saved. I said following Jesus... Has it cost you anything? As we look here, Jesus was very interested in everybody getting saved. And I love the way it's phrased here. The Galilee, notice even the verse on the screen, where did he choose to set up headquarters? He chose, he chose, matter of fact, I was, uh, uh, I had to teach the juniors this morning and I was telling them, I was asking them, I said, <clears throat> where was Jesus raised? That kind of caught them off guard. A lot of people don't think about where Jesus was raised. And some of them said, well, Bethlehem. I said, no, that's where he was born. Then somebody said, Jerusalem. I said, no, he was raised in Nazareth. He was called a Nazarene, okay? And so <clears throat> that's kind of like being from Arkansas and being called an Arkansan. But he, the Bible says right here that he moved his headquarters to a place where there's many Jews and many Gentiles. As a matter of fact, it calls it here the beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. There was trading, there was people, there was markets, and you know, and there's nothing wrong with having a church out in the, like ours out in the middle of the country. But if you want to support, if we want to support missionaries, let's make sure that the missionaries are going where people are. It'd be ridiculous to say, I want to send a missionary to, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, the, the, the county line. <laughs> There's nobody lives there hardly. There's nobody there. You say, well, they don't need a preacher. Well, yeah, they, but if you're going to send somebody out to preach and preach to lost people, go where lost people are. And that's what they were setting up shop in Galilee. Matter of fact, notice here. That the description doesn't stop there. Jesus, it says, I'm going to preach to people. I'm going to make a change and a difference to people. And I'm going to set up shop in Capernaum, the whole area of Galilee. Notice the description in verse 16. The people which sat in darkness, and it's talking about that area, saw great light. And to them which sat in the region... And shadow of death, light is sprung up. Jesus' main message that he preached during that time period, I mean, I think he might have began and ended his sermons this way. Look at verse 17. From that time forth, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, 
for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So basically this, since Matthew is just kind of, he's, he's just jumping the, he's just jumping in. <laughs> he's just jumping in and say, let me tell you about what Jesus did. Man, after, <clears throat> after that great event called the, the, to be the great king, he took on the devil and won. That's, uh, uh, Matthew four, the temptation. What in that, that taking on the devil was he beat the devil physically. Okay, in the flesh, all three of those temptations, how the three ways you're tempted, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, all the only three ways that a human being can be tempted. So he defeated the devil physically, temptation-wise, at the beginning of his ministry. He defeated the devil eternally and spiritually on the cross. And when he rose again, he completely has whipped the devil. Now, the devil is still around, and God allows him to be around to be our tormentor. The Bible calls him our accuser. So we'll just go with that. Our accuser. So we know why he's on, he's ready. And all of a sudden, let me tell you about his preaching. He's going to where the people are. He's going to, uh, uh, there were lots of, even, they're not just Jews. What does he call them? Gentiles are all over Galilee. So I'm preaching to everybody. And then he tells you the summation of his message. Now, here it comes down to, Jesus is going to ask you, if you're saved tonight, if I'm preaching to save people tonight, if you're here and you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have a home in heaven. Now I'm going to ask you this question. Following Jesus Christ, has it cost you anything? I kind of gave the sum, uh, summary earlier and I said it this way. I said... Uh, Well, I'll, you know, I, I love Jesus and I go to church. It's kind of like just buying a pack of gum. I think I'll take two packs and I'll head on. Serving Jesus is a lot more than buying a pack, excuse me, following Jesus is a lot more than just buying a pack of gum. But a lot of people treat their following Jesus very casually. I just, yeah, I follow Jesus. What has it cost you? Think about it. What has it cost you? Think, think tonight. What has following Jesus cost you? Has it ever cost you a friend? Has it ever cost you embarrassment? Has it ever cost you any sort of denial? Think about that. Has follow, you know, again, following Jesus, it costs them something. So it goes on to say, verse 18, And Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee, that's where Capernaum was, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. There we go. I like that. We got a lot of fishermen in here. That means we're scriptural, okay? God's calling fishermen. And he said unto them, follow me. But he uses an analogy. I will make you fishers of men. And straightway, that just means immediately, they left their nets 
and followed him. Moving on. And going on from there, thence he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father mending their nets. And he called them and immediately left the ship and their father. I I think uh, foreign missionaries are definitely a special breed. You know, our church has taken a special interest in uh, teamwork with Brother Glenn Knight. You know, his mom's alive and well in Tennessee. But he can't run over there and check on her, can he? Have you ever wondered about, you know, just, and I'm just using those as kind of an example. Poor foreign missionaries. If they go to a foreign field and their parents are still alive, can they just run home and check on their parents? What does it cost them? I know one missionary in particular, one of our ABA missionaries in, in, in the swap from the Philippines to Africa. Brother Eddie Williams, sent out by South Union Baptist Church in Dangerfield, Texas. Great church. Eddie Williams is sold out for the Lord. His wife said, beautiful blonde-haired wife and three gorgeous blonde girls. God called him to Africa. She said, I didn't marry this. And she left him with the girls. He had a choice. Wife and family. Serve the Lord. He's still a missionary in Africa. And he cannot, because that's such a big deal to the Africans, that you cannot have more than one living wife, even though his wife voluntarily left him, He refuses to ever even consider marriage because it would nullify his ministry in northern Kenya. Now, it's kind of like the fellow that Jesus said, sell everything you have and follow me. God doesn't call everybody to go to Africa. But he has called you to follow him. And it may just be here in Ashley County, but I ask you again, what does it cost you? And it doesn't mean that it has to cost you a, a a family member. And whenever James and John left their dad, it doesn't mean that they didn't stop by and check on them, but they, they weren't there with their dad anymore. Did you know that James? That James! That James that said, I surrender all and I follow you. First martyr. Acts 12. Very first one. Let's get in line. Who'll die for Jesus? And James said, I'll preach until they come arrest me. And Peter was next, and he was one of these four guys, didn't he? And he was, his head was going to be on the chopping block. And what does it cost you? But remember in Acts 12, when James and Peter were head was on the chopping block, Peter done got right. 
You see, he was all, man, he's probably, man, he probably could flex fish and he probably could throw, bring in a net all by himself. He was a man's man. But that pride also cost him. Because that pride, think about it, you do not publicly deny somebody unless you're full of pride. And that's what exactly what happened to Peter. He had two P's to deal with. He had pride and he had prejudice. And the Lord worked on him. He dealt in Acts 10. He let down the sheep and said, Peter, would you stop sticking your nose at up at people that I called you to witness to? He was a changed man ready to give his life. And guess what? He loved the Lord so much and he respected the Lord's death so much that whenever he was finally caught, he said, crucify me upside down because I don't deserve to die like my Savior died. Now that fact we only know through the history books. That's not in the Bible. But I guarantee you, in the death of the apostles, besides the ones that's mentioned here in the Bible, were all the same, except for John, the writer of the book of Revelation. Most of the history concerning him, he died at 100 years old. And um, he survived, according to history, survived being let down into a boiling cauldron of oil. One history account records. And then they, imagine that. Well, guess the Lord had ideas. He said, I need you to write a book. It's got 22 chapters in it. And he wrote the last book of the Bible. Well, moving on. It says here, they left the ship, verse 22, their father and followed him. Jesus went all about Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. And sick people and people taken with divers, or it means different diseases and torments. Then he goes on, to uh, people who were possessed with devils and those that were lunatic. <laughs> Man, he, you're talking about a motley crew. <laughs> Of all the people, I mean, he's got, he doesn't have the, uh, these ain't red carpet people on following Jesus. This is everybody, and people coming out of the hoodwork following Jesus. Everybody that's got, I mean, they got drug arrests going out their ears. They got, I mean, half of them's half drunk, half of them's addicted to this, addicted to that. Some of them's on, on, not on drugs, they on demons. <laughs> that's pretty bad. You know, I'm not on drugs, I'm on demons. And guess what? Jesus healed it all. Which means this, uh, when God asks us to preach, he says, don't get picky. When you invite people to church, don't get picky. Matter of fact, most of the people who responded to Jesus were people that would say, huh? did you see them? You know, and matter of fact, if you had two people to pick from and this one looks attractive and this one doesn't look attractive or whatever, just go just forget just go to the one the quickest one you can get to and tell them about Jesus invite them to church the fame went around and and I want to end on this note he healed them verse 25 and all kinds of folks and there followed him great multitudes of people 
from Galilee. Decapolis means it's like uh, saying it's like metropolis. It's Deca means it was a set of ten cities. From Jerusalem, from Judea, from beyond Jordan. Folks, God is blessing our church right now with people from all over Ashley County. And folks, as long as we preach and teach what's in this book, we sing songs uplifting our Savior Jesus Christ, people aren't coming. Or they won't stay if we stand on anything but this. You know what I mean? People want a church that'll stand for the truth, that'll sing praises and and, and we don't get caught up in 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 petty little things, but everything we do is about Jesus, about Him lifted up, our songs, our message, our teaching, our our love, our and when and folks, I've said it before, when talking about our kids can spot a hypocrite, it doesn't take long for people to spot one. Now, I'm not saying that we're a church of anything but, because everybody in this room, including your pastor, is a hypocrite. I do things that I preach against. I say things that, oops, I shouldn't have said that. We all make mistakes. We all stick our whole foot and leg in our mouth sometimes. What I'm talking about, the hypocritical part, is... You can mess up and make mistakes and, 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 and do something you shouldn't do, but there's a big difference between spotting somebody who loves and cares for people and is kind and somebody who's not. You fake that, and you won't have anybody beside you. All you got to do is be real and honest with people. That's it. I'm not talking about making mistakes. We all do that. I'm not talking about being a hypocrite, but if you're a hypocrite in love... That means you're a fake right there. Jesus wasn't one. That's why all those people were there. The self-righteous didn't need a Savior, did they? The people, the Bible says, I came to seeking to save those who are lost and those who were unrighteous and those everyday Ordinary country folks came out by the droves to see a Savior who was real, but he was real here. That's why people love Paul and Peter and James and John and Andrew and all those other guys because they were real. And they were real here. They didn't pretend to be somebody or not. Just say, it. I mess up. Just take your lumps and say, I mess up with the best of them. But I love you because I got Jesus Christ right here. And I want this church to be a changed place. Not because of anything but Jesus. As we prepare for him the invitation. Father, I, we bow our head. We look to your holy word. And we ask the question. What does it cost us? Have we really put it on the line?
have we really come to the lick log and said, God, I need to do business with you? Have we even... Have we even hit our knees before you? May we hit our knees tonight and say, God, I've just been going through the motions. Help me to to leave it all with you. We ask all these things in your son's most precious name. Amen.